Welcome to Literary Speaking with Crystal Lee Quibell. Literary Speaking is the author's guide to writing and publishing, sharing tips and tricks for aspiring authors. Crystal Lee's expert guests will bring you the latest information on how to write and publish your book into being. Are you ready to tell your story? Here's your host. Welcome to Literary Speaking. I'm your host, Crystal Lee Quibel, and today we're talking with Brad Harper. Brad is the co-author of the just-released memoir, Space at the Table, Conversations Between an Evangelical Theologian and His Gay Son. Brad and his son, Drew, partnered together using Kickstarter to draw awareness and raise funds to print their book. Uh, Christian publishing houses refused to publish the book, so they went out on their own. And whether you are a Christian or a member of the LGBTQ community or someone just looking for a new understanding on bridging the gap between our beliefs, I really feel like this book is one of the most necessary tomes of our time. So, Brad, with that being said, welcome to the show. Thanks, Crystal. I'm so glad to be here. Well, thank you. Brad, before Drew came out, what was your belief, your religious belief on being gay? Well, you know, I, uh, I've i grown up in and have studied in and have been a pastor in and now am a, a professor at, a, at a, a college where I teach theology, biblical theology. And uh, my awareness of the Bible's teaching has been that um, that the Bible says that marriage and sexual relationships are meant to be between uh, one man and one woman, and uh, so these are these are the traditional position where the church has been is at that place. And I will tell you that I mean there are some that would identify as Christians that would disagree with that, that would interpret the Bible differently. Um, others that um, perhaps might just say that the Bible's wrong on that issue. Uh, but I have uh, traditionally held to the view that that that's what the Bible says, and whether I am comfortable or not with it, uh, because it's the Word of God, that's, you know, that's what I have to submit myself to. And so those are the beliefs that I still hold. So, and with everything that happened with Drew and, and the process that the two of you went through, how did your beliefs really evolve as the two of you worked together throughout the process of his coming out? Well, you know, Crystal, it wasn't so much that my beliefs revolved, uh, evolved as much as it was that my relationship changed. And mm-hmm. so often what, what happens with conservative Christians on this issue is, you know, we look at this and we say, okay, we've looked at all the Bible passages, we've listened to all the different interpretations of it, and, and we think it's clear that, you know, that, that same-sex relationships are not, a, are not okay. And then what we do is we just kind of set that aside and we go, okay, next. You know, what's the next issue I have to deal with? And the problem is for many Christians because, um, they don't know or they don't think they know anybody that's gay or transgender, you know, it's it's just an academic issue for them. But what happened for me, obviously, is once this became my son, it was no longer an academic issue. It was completely humanized with someone that I loved, someone that as soon as he came into the world, I knew I would give my life for him, and I still feel that way today. So all of a sudden, um, the issue was, whatever my beliefs are about right and wrong, this is my son, I love him, and there's no way I'm going to leave relationship with him. And and he loved me, you know, and we had to look at each other and say, look, we're going to fight for our relationship on this, even though we disagree with one another, because we don't have to agree with one another on this issue in order to be in loving relationship. And so that's really the posture we took. Mm. One of the topics you sort of covered in the book was that 
you and Drew sort of began to argue a fair bit. And at one point, you know, things got a little physical. So Drew ended up moving out and you took that time to take some space from each other and sort out your feelings. But I mean, you still remained in contact and had many phone calls and conversations. What would your advice be to parents that are experiencing the same thing you, you did? Yeah, it was, uh, I look back at that and, you know, it was a moment where Drew and I are arguing with each other and we were both in a bad place and I pushed him and I immediately felt horrible for it. And that's where he just said, you know, I think we're, I'm just done with this. And uh, one of the things I said to parents who are in the same kind of situation is sometimes um, separating from one another for a while is actually a good thing. Um, and what happens often with parents in this kind of situation is when they're son or daughter, and, and it doesn't even have to be an issue about being gay. It can be anything. But in this issue, you know, uh, their son or daughter just says, I'm, I'm done, I'm leaving, I'm going to go live with someplace else. And, and for many parents, that becomes a moment of immediate sense of guilt and shame and, oh, my gosh, I'm a horrible parent and I failed, mm-hmm. you know, this type of thing. And, and I did have those feelings. Um, but honestly, what we began to see after a very short period of time is, this was a really good thing because we weren't really coexisting very well in the same house. So for Drew to be able to live with a friend and these were good people, these were people that we knew, um, it just really helped our relationship get some space and to begin to heal. And Drew would invite us over to their house on Friday nights and we'd play games. And, and so it was really a good break for us and allowed us to have some breathing space. So then after a few months, it was like, okay, let's come back together and, and let's work this thing out. And, and we did. Great. What do you feel is probably the main misperception people hold of you because you are an evangelical Christian? Well, interestingly, um, um, Andrew Marin, in his book, um, Love is an Orientation, which I I, uh, recommend for everybody who wants to deal with this issue, cited a poll that was done a number of years ago. Um, I'm, I'm thinking maybe three or four years ago. Well, where thousands of Americans, I think under the age of 35, were interviewed. And these Americans, all of them were non-Christians. And they asked them, what do you think about, what images do you have when you think of, you know, American Christianity? The number one response is that Christians are anti-gay. That's the number one response that, that mm-hmm. young people think about when they think about the church. Yeah. And so I, I think people think that about me, too, when they know that I teach at, at Multnomah, this conservative, you know, evangelical school, um, they think of us as a school and they think of me as a person, uh, I'm sure you're anti-gay. And so it's fascinating because then when they hear me talk, when they see me and Drew together and we're, we care about each other and we're talking about this issue, um, it's a surprise to them that I'm an evangelical, um, especially because you get these you know, these images on TV of Westboro Baptist Church and all that horrible stuff that they do, and all evangelicals kind of get lumped together into that boat in public, you know, the public image and the public um, uh, public view. But, you know, in fact, evangelicalism is pretty diverse and complicated. Mm-hmm. You know, I think after reading the book, I was surprised because I expected to be angry. <laughs> Um, and I really appreciated how, you know, you laid out the book with both your view and Drew's view and, and little tidbits from, from family and friends. I'm just curious, you know, how 
you know, we talked earlier about how your beliefs evolved as you and Drew worked together. So I just, I'm curious, do you, do you still hold steadfast and true to the beliefs that you were brought up on or have they evolved into a place where you're like, you know, we, we don't know for sure if anybody's right. We don't know for sure if the Bible is, you know, written in stone. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, there are two things about that. Uh, one is, um, yeah, I still hold to the to my belief I've always had in terms of marriage between a man and a woman on this issue as far as what the Bible says, because I've read I've read the the views from both academics and lay people are um, challenging that interpretation and wanting to say the Bible doesn't really say that. And to be honest, as a theologian, I haven't found their arguments convincing. Uh, and listen, I'm the dad who would be glad for their arguments to be convincing to me. You know, if we if we've been wrong about what the Bible says, I'm I'm fine with that. I just don't haven't found the arguments convincing. The other issue on that is, you know, can we know for sure that the Bible's the word of God? Can we know for sure that Christianity is true? And the issue is, well, of course not. I mean, Christianity and and belief in God, belief in in the Bible as His word, is a faith position. I and mean, I think I, I have some reasons for it, but at the end of the day, um, I could be wrong. You know, who, who am I? Um, I'm just one person who, along with a community of people over history, has has believed this way about God, and I, I think it makes sense to me. But I can't look at that and say, I'm absolutely right, and there's no way I could be wrong. And that's one of the reasons behind the fact that I want to look at issues like this and say, look, I... I just need to be humble. I need to stay in relationship with people who see this differently from me. I'm mm-hmm. I'm not gonna, I'm not going to be condemnatory towards them uh, because um, you know I, I'm just one person and I see the world the way um, I've been taught to see it and I see the world in the way I've investigated it to be. Um, but I you know I have to deal with the fact that for me honestly, uh, whatever my doctrine is. God always tells me that my main job is to love my neighbor. My main, main, my main job is not to get my neighbor to agree with me in terms of my doctrine. My main job is to love my neighbor. And so I'm always going to put that at the forefront, whatever I believe. And actually, there was an interesting point in the book because you, you ended up um, living beside a gay couple, and it really opened your eyes to you know, their relationship and how you saw them as people and interacting with Drew as well. Is that, that's correct, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. My next door neighbors uh, are, are, um, are, are lesbians and, and we, we, they lived next door for, oh gosh, 12, 13 years. And we absolutely love them. In fact, it's funny you should bring that up because um, my daughter was home this weekend and we were talking about the fact that we'd seen on Facebook that they had put a, um, a, a deposit down on a piece of property, in it, and we just thought, oh, no, they're moving, they're moving. And we looked at each other and said, they can't move. There are lesbians, and we're <laughs> crazy evangelical Christians, you know. <laughs> and I went over, I was talking to one of them, and I told them that, and we just laughed, and, and they said, oh, no, 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 we're just looking at this as a vacation property. It's not. We're not moving. And I'm like, oh, thank you so much. <laughs> you know, because we just, we love them. They're our neighbors. We yeah. love their children, you know. We talk together. We, you know, we'll cut down a tree together. I mean, they're they're just people. They're beautiful, and we appreciate their, you know, we appreciate their love for their kids and and for each other. And so, uh, yeah, uh, the, the, being drawn into the community like that 
is so much different than if you just stand outside and have ideological negative beliefs about it. Because once you enter into the life of, uh, of people in the gay community or any community, you realize, oh my gosh, these are people who are wonderful, they love each other, um, you know, they have the same kind of issues and concerns and fears that I do uh, about life. And, you know, so we just enter into relationships. Great. Well, everyone, you're listening to Literary Speaking with Crystal Lee Kleibel, and today we're talking with Brad Harper, author of Space at the Table, Conversations Between an Evangelical Theologian and His Gay Son. Tweet with us at WriterCrystal with the hashtag memoir. We'll be right back. Your story is begging to be told, but do you know where to start? Crystal Lee Quibell is dedicated to helping you achieve your book publishing dreams. Go to crystalleequibell.com. That's crystalleequibell, Q-U-I-B-E-L-L.com, and sign up for Crystal Lee's newsletter today. Welcome back to Literary Speaking. I'm your host, Crystal Lee Quibel, and we're continuing our conversation today with Brad Harper, author of Space at the Table. Brad, you really began to write the book, you know, a, a while ago, and you sent it to Drew as an email when he was in Cairo. Did you have a clear vision for what the book was going to be when you started to write it? I, um, I, I wanted it to be, uh, you know, kind of a dialogue that we wrote together with each other. Uh, so that, again, you know, people in who would read it could see this as a relationship, uh, not just a book that would be giving information, but really the journey and the relationship between two people uh, who loved each other. And I, that idea came to me actually back in about 2008. Um, but Drew had just moved to New York, and our relationship was really, really struggling, and there were a lot of things he needed to go through, and he had a lot of a lot of anger he just needed to deal with towards me for a while. And so it really wasn't until, you know, a couple of years ago that, that, you know, I thought he was you know, maybe at the place where he'd be ready to do this. And so I, uh, you know, I emailed him and he was in Cairo, as he mentioned last time doing, doing this play. And, and he just said, yeah, you know, this is time and it's, it's the time to do this. And we, we both from the beginning knew this needed to be a dialogical issue, you know, so that people could join into, you know, our journey and our conversation. So I'm, I'm really glad that it worked out that way. And the two of you approached several publishers um, through an agent, and the publishers actually refused to publish the book. So how did you and Drew both handle the rejection when you're going from one to another and you really want to bring this book out for everyone to see? How did you handle the rejections? Yeah, it was it was surprising actually. I mean, because there were you know there were a lot of books being out there starting to be published on this, and so um, our literary agent was telling us, "Oh my gosh, Brad, this stuff is great. These guys, they're gonna, they, you know, their, his sense was there was going to be a bidding war for this book. Mm-hmm. So when all of them turned it down, and the interesting thing was the people who were reading the proposal were like so excited about this book, and. Uh, and and saying yeah we need to publish this thing, uh, but their boards of directors said no, and and we were pretty surprised by that. And one of the reasons I think the main reason was because um, a book had just come out that had become very uh, it become a bestseller, and it was arguing that uh, the Bible really says that gay relationships are just fine, uh, and. Uh, that created a lot of backlash for that publisher from conservative evangelical audiences. And so these publishers were kind of in this situation going, whoa, 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 we don't want to touch this right now because we're really not in a place to handle the backlash. And so 
it was really kind of an unfortunate timing situation. Um, but the beautiful thing was our literary agent had been the owner of a publishing company for years and had sold it off, I think, to Random House. Uh, and he said, you know, I, I've been wanting to get back into the business of, of being a publisher again, so I'm going to do this, and you guys are going to be my first book. And it's just been fantastic because we have a publisher who, though brand new, is somebody that entirely believes in the project uh, and has just been all in with us all the way. And so, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I wouldn't have it happen any differently. And did your agent, I mean, your agent ended up opening his, his own uh, small press company for you to get this book out there. Right. How involved was he with editing and the writing process and just bringing it all together? Uh, very. I mean, he, he hired an editor, okay, to be the main editor of the book for us. But he also read every draft uh, and, and was giving us, you know, suggestions and telling it. We were, and we would strategize together, Drew and I and the uh, editor and the publisher would meet together and talk about, you know, different ideas and how can we, how, okay, we've got all this massive information. We had enough information for probably a 400-page book. And, you know, it's ended up slightly over 200 pages. So we would talk together, okay, about how can we reformat this book in such a way that, you know, it's it's really going to reach the audience we wanted. So it was a very uh, involved process with all four of us involved in, in the whole thing all the time. And, and that was really encouraging. So it was really like this sort of little book family. <laughs> yeah, it, it really was. And he had a team of people that, you know, were part of his agency, his author agency, that, you know, were really talented and gifted folks who came in alongside of us and, and handled you know, uh, PR issues and, and, and arranged filming issues for a Kickstarter. And it was just a great group of people. And when, you know, when the book was finally done, we just got party and everybody was there. It was just, it's just really been a family kind of situation. And we've, we've loved it. Mm -hmm. You, you and Drew both used Kickstarter as a way to sort of build funds and get the book published, but so to share the message for Space at the Table. Would you recommend this format for other aspiring authors? Yeah, it worked really well for us. There were a couple things that we wanted to do with it. Again, because this publisher was now starting a new publishing company, he didn't have a ton of cash on hand for, mm -hmm. for the publishing company. So we needed to raise some funds, you know, for PR and for, uh, for publication printing, that type of thing. But also what this did was it created for us a group of people who were excited that the book was going to come out. So we raised $30,000, and we had uh, over 600 people who uh, contributed to the Kickstarter. So what that means is that most of the contributions were small contributions. They were, both, they were mostly 50 bucks, 25 bucks, And what that meant is that we had this wide group of people all over the place, really all over the country, some in other countries, who were contributing and saying, hey, we're excited about this thing. We want to be on board with this thing. So that what that created is when the book came out, and actually today's the the, the official day of, you know, <laughs> of the book being released, is that there's all these people out there that, that are already so excited about the book. And our Kickstarter people have already read the book because we sent the book out to, to people mm. who contributed to Kickstarter. At a certain level, we sent them a copy of the book, so they've already read it, and and what they're doing is they're then Facebooking and emailing their friends, talking to their friends, saying, "Hey, you've got to read this thing." And so now we have this kind of army of people who are like kind of doing advertising for us, you know, when the book comes out, and yeah. and that worked really well. 
Yeah, that's a fantastic way to get, you know, the hype going about the book and pre-orders are so important. And I think for our listeners also to understand and know that it means so much to authors when people take the time to not only pre-order the book, but also to review the book as soon as they they read it because those reviews help with future publishing contracts. Fred, what do you what do you think is something, some advice that you would give to your earlier self before all of this happened? Uh, what would you go back and tell yourself if there was one piece of advice you could give yourself through the writing process, through, you know, experiencing everything you did with Drew? What would you tell yourself? I think I would tell myself to panic less mm-hmm. and um, and really just to to take things more uh, more slowly, to not react as strongly. I think I would tell myself, um, Brad, this is not about you. Um, this is about Drew. Because one of the things that Christian parents often feel when their kids come out is they feel, okay, why is he doing this to me? And what did I do wrong as a parent? Um, why is this happening? All of that type of stuff. And I would, just, I would go back to myself and to parents and say, whoa, 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 stop. This is not about you. This is not about Mm -hmm. you being a bad parent. Um, This is not about something you have to be ashamed about. Um, You now have a situation where you're going to need to learn to think about, um, how do I stay in this relationship with my son or my daughter when, in fact, this person may move on to be someone who really disagrees with something that's important to me? How am I going to stay in a relationship with them? they, They should always put the relationship you know, to the top. And, and they can do that without compromising their views. You know, they don't have to agree with their son or daughter doctrinally or morally in order to do that. But a lot of times what happens is we get so fearful and parents feel shame and guilt, and so they end up with radical reaction. And honestly, that's why you've got young men and women who came out to their evangelical families who were living under bridges, you know, because parents responded radically. And, and I would encourage myself and them, that's, that's not the way to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. What do you think is the one message you would hope that people really take away from this book? Um, really, it is just this idea that, um, you know, that in life, um, relationships are everything. Um, the only thing that ultimately matters in life is relationships. And for me as a Christian, I would say that's relationship with God first and then relationship with my neighbor, and that starts with my family. And that we need to help ourselves and each other understand that disagreements, even on serious issues where we feel strongly about things, do not necessitate the ending of the relationship. And they do not necessitate that we have to come to agree with each other in order to stay in relationship. Um, and and that we learn how to love and stay in relationship with each other, even even when we disagree about serious issues that we care about. Hmm. What do you think is your proudest moment when you think of Drew? What is your proudest moment when you think of him? Um, you know. I, my proudest moments can be on a couple different levels. I mean, one, Drew is an amazingly gifted guy. And mm-hmm. when you when you walk into a theater and see him act and sing, it's majestic. He's he's phenomenal. And, and anybody who goes and sees him perform comes to me and goes, oh, my gosh, Brad, he is so amazing. 
And I am so proud of him for that. I, I, I love that uh, about him. But what I'm also proudest about, and it's not so much a pride as it is just this amazing satisfaction that in the midst of our differences, my son still wants to be with us. You know, he loves us. He, he, he calls when he's living in the area. He does sometimes. He calls and says, Mom and Dad, you know, are you guys uh, home tonight? Can I come over? Can we watch, watch a movie together? And that, that this young man who has been, has been hurt by us in terms of, you know, our feelings towards him at times has yet stayed committed to the fact that he loves us and he wants to be in relationship with us and he continues to just keep coming back and saying, Mom and Dad, you matter to me more than anything else. And there's no greater satisfaction, you know, in humanly speaking to a parent than that our adult children come back and say, you know, I, I just love you and I want to be with you. And mm-hmm. that's the most beautiful thing there is. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being here today, Brad. I really appreciate it, and I absolutely adored the book. So thank you, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. I'm so glad we've been part of the show. Yes. Everyone, Brad at Harper can be found online at zealbooks.com. That's Z-E-A-L books.com. His book, Space at the Table, Conversations Between an Evangelical Theologian and His Gay Son, is available now on Amazon. Want to win a free copy? Enter to win by visiting me online at crystalleequible.com and sign up for my newsletter to receive after the show Q&A bonus material. As a newsletter subscriber, you'll be automatically entered to win free books every week. Join us next week as we speak with Jessica Strauser of Writer's Digest. I'm your host, Crystal Lee Quibble. Keep writing and thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Literary Speaking with your host, Crystal Lee Quibell. To start discovering how you can begin telling your story, go to crystalleequibell.com. That's crystalleequibell, Q-U-I-B-E-L-L.com. And sign up for Crystal Lee's newsletter. Join us again next week for more advice from your favorite authors and publishing professionals.